in this new series of Ephesians, building a new you. Yes, you are new in Christ. We are all new in Christ through trust in him. And God is working both in you and through you to build a new you. He is building a new you. And through Christ's work, we are not just made new, but we are in the process of becoming more like his son, Jesus. We are becoming more who we are meant to be, who he calls us to be. We are justified through faith alone, through grace, and we are becoming more like him, sanctified. You are his masterpiece. You are his workmanship. We talked in great detail about this last week, so we won't have a huge intro today, but I will just remind you a few little thoughts. Ephesians is a book about privileges or blessings as believers, what we have through Christ. But then the second half is also about our responsibilities as the church. And we talked about this key word, this key idea to help you remember Ephesians as body building. Because this book is all about building up the body of Christ. We gave many names for Ephesians. Starting with this, Ephesians has been referred to as the pinnacle of the New Testament, the church epistle or letter, the Alps of the Bible, the Mount Whitney of the high Sierras of all of Scripture, the believer's bank, hinting at the great wealth we see, the great theology wisdom we see in this book. But then it also talks about the Christian checkbook, or is referred to as the checkbook, the treasure house of the Bible. And what's so great about this checkbook, you don't have to worry about your check bouncing either. It's been referred to as a guide for spiritual health and maturity and a survival manual for Christians. Now today, as we look to verse, verse 3 to 6, we actually see the first part of verse 3 to 14. And verse 3 to 14 has been referred to as the longest sentence in the New Testament. And why they say that, it might not look like it in a moment as you look to it in the English, but in the Greek, there's not very much punctuation now, in English translations, we have periods, we have commas, we have punctuation to help break it up to make it easier for us to digest. But if you were to read this in the Greek, you would see no punctuation. You would see one long sentence from verse 3 to 14 because it's as if Paul starts to write to these believers and he, he just immediately gets so excited about what he's speaking of that he just can't contain himself. And he starts to write. But as he starts to write, he starts to praise. He starts to worship God for the very blessings that he is speaking of through these blessings. He speaks of the past. He speaks of the present. He speaks of the future, as well as he speaks of each member of the Trinity. And we start today with verse 3 to 16 as we focus today on God the Father. Verse 3, 16, 3 to 6, I'm sorry. Verse 3 to 6 covers the past. God the Father gave us a great blessing, choosing us in him before the foundation of the world that we might be holy and blameless before him. Verse 7 to 13 then covers the present blessing, a present blessing from God in that we are redeemed through the sacrificial death of our Lord Jesus Christ. And then in verse 14, we cover, we see Paul cover the future blessing, and that God has sealed us by the Holy Spirit, and we have an inheritance. We are heirs to his kingdom. Ephesians explains our riches in Christ, and then it pushes us, it pokes us, it prods us to live in accordance to them. We should not live in spiritual poverty. We should not live malnourished 
As I shared some stories about last week, I shared a story about an elderly couple who died. And they died in their apartments, and when they did the autopsies, they found that they were malnourished. Now, the detectives, they went into the, the um, house, the apartment, and when they're inspecting the house, trying to see what went on, they found thousands and thousands of dollars hidden in the closet. It wasn't that they didn't have the money to buy the food they needed to stay nourished. The problem was they needed somebody to remind them to use the storehouse they had created. We need reminded that we have great wealth in the Lord, and we need reminded to use that wealth. There's an illustration I read of, a, of during the Great Depression. Who here is old enough to remember the Great Depression? Yeah, I didn't think so. That's why I'm sharing the story. There's an illustration of the banking system during the Great Depression, that people were only allowed to withdraw a certain percentage of their bank accounts. The number I found was 10%. That even sounds really large to me, considering what was going on. But they were only allowed to withdraw up to 10% of their bank account because otherwise the banking system would just collapse. But we know that we can withdraw any amount. We can continually withdraw from the wealth we have as Christ followers. Christ will continue to give. God will continue, continually give his grace to us through Christ Jesus our Lord. We have a bank account that never goes empty. We have checks that never bounce. We have credit cards that never get declined because there's always money in that account. The starting point of today's message is understanding the riches that we have through God the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Today we see that we are blessed through the blessed, and we have blessings. We see the blessed, the blessed, and the blessings. And without reading that appropriately in context, without hearing it, it might be hard to read, but that is the blessed, the blessed, and the blessings as we see Paul celebrating the blessings of election, and we do as well. Let's read from Ephesians chapter 1, verse 3 to 6. It's in front of you. It's in your lap. There's no reason why you can't follow along. Let's read what God has for us. Verse 3, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Again, notice these three blessed words. We have blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Why? Why is he to be blessed? Why are we to bless him? Because he has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. That's our title. Blessed, blessed, and blessing. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. It is all because of him and from him. Verse 4, even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before him in love. He predestined us for adoption to himself as sons through Jesus Christ, according to the purpose of his will, to the praise of his glorious grace, with which he has blessed us in the beloved. Thank you for reading along. Thank you for following along. Again, today we talk about the blessed, the blessed, and the blessing. This is week one. We're going to split up verse 3 to 14 into several weeks as there's a lot to go over here, and we have limited time, and we have a lot to go through. But today we celebrate the election, just as Paul celebrates the election. We celebrate that we are chosen by God, just like Paul. 
You know, we may not celebrate, all of us celebrate elections in this world, the political elections, but we can all celebrate the election that we have into God's kingdom. Amen? We celebrate election. We celebrate that we are chosen by God. Today we look to that first part. We look to the past as it was described, that God chose us, God the Father of Lord and Lord of, of our Jesus Christ chose us before the foundation of the world, before the creation of the world. Paul states that God is to be blessed or blessed as we have been blessed. And through Christ, we have every spiritual blessing in him, in him, in Jesus, and in the heavenly places. We are to bless God for he has greatly blessed us. But the way we bless God is very different than how God blesses us. Again, we see this, this great mystery of how God blesses us before the creation of the world, the foundation of the world. It's a great mystery that many of us study, many of us debate, many of us try and figure out and ponder upon. What does it mean to be chosen? What did it mean to be one of the elect? We have fights over this. We have debates over this. It is a hot topic. But we do see that God can be blessed by us differently. Obviously, we can't we can't choose him before the creation of the world. We can't predestine him before the creation of the world. We can't adopt, adopt him as a son. These are what are bestowed upon us. But what we can do and what we are to do, what we should do, is we bless him with how we speak of him. We bless him with how we praise and glorify his name. And not just our words, not just in singing, not just in instruments. That's part of it. We praise him by using the gifts he has given us. But we also praise him by remembering his promises. We bless him by remembering his promises. We bless him by living in accordance to those promises. We praise him. We bless him by abiding by his word and ways. You see, God is due all this praise and more. It is our responsibility to praise him. It is his will that we praise him. It is why we were created is to praise him and glorify him with our lives. It's our responsibility. And Psalm 126.3 echoes these words, reminding us that we are greatly blessed when it says, Psalm 126.3, the Lord has done great things for us, and we will be glad. We will be glad. I think there's a song by a early 2000, 1990, late 1990s band called Supertones about We Will Be Glad. It's one of those ska-type songs, kind of like swing music. It's fun. But either way, it just reminds us we should be glad for all the blessings he gives us. Paul continues with what I believe is an enthusiastic worship time for God for all of these blessings. As he starts to write the Ephesians and those, those who would receive this letter, he gets just, it just gets carried away. He can't contain himself. And he starts to talk about the blessings that we receive. And this is number one. We see his blessings to us. You see, we see in all God's word that we are a blessed people. But we also see the blesser. We see that he has blessed us. I quote, with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places, God is the blesser because he is the source of all blessings. God is the blesser because he is the source of all blessings. We don't bless ourselves. Now, we may yell to somebody or say somebody a nice little gesture when they sneeze and you say, bless you. But you're even in that proclaiming, may God bless you. 
We don't bless ourselves. God is the source of all blessings. He speaks good to us, and he gives us benefits, us blessings, us being the saints of God, us being those set apart by God, have special blessings, special benefits. But we also see from God's word, and we can proclaim that there is a common grace that God bestows upon all of his creation. All creation receives some blessings. But here Paul is speaking to believers. Here Paul is speaking to the saints. Here Paul is speaking to those who are holy and set apart, blameless through Christ Jesus. But we do see that everyone has some blessing. We see every good thing that includes the food we eat. Isaiah 55, 10, the water you drink, the clothes you wear, Matthew 6, all of which come from God. God is good all the time, all the time. God is good. And James 1, 17 says that every good gift, every perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights. The very fact that you can look around and see God not condemning this world now as a whole shows God's grace and blessings upon the general creation. He has every right to, for he is holy and just, and this world as a whole is not. You cannot name anything good, material or immaterial, that does not come from God. But we as saints have blessings beyond all this. In fact, we have blessings before all this. For what Paul praises God for here is that we were chosen before the foundations of the world. He speaks of election, and notice, this is not just the blessings to come. We do have blessings to come. God is continually sanctifying us, working through us and in us to bring about something great. Masterpieces, workmanships. We have an inheritance to come. We are heirs of a great kingdom. He will come again for us, and we have new bodies. But he also speaks here of what we already have. We already have this election, this predestination, this chosenhood. And we already have an adoption as sons of God. Why are we blessed? How are we blessed? We are blessed for we are chosen. And we need to remember this. We need to be reminded of this. That you as a believer in Christ, as a follower of Christ, as one holy, as one set apart by his ways, not by the world's ways, one who is following his righteous ways, one who felt the Spirit's leading and accepted the call to trust in him, to proclaim him as Lord. You have union with him. This is to praise and glorify God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ for. We are in Christ. We are in union with him and will be with him as fellow heirs, Romans 8 tells us. The Christian awaits Christ's return, and as Philippians 3.20 says, our citizenship is in heaven, from which also we eagerly wait for a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. If you had any doubt of who that Savior was, he clarifies it there. The Lord Jesus Christ. And what will he do? He, he will transform the body of our humble state into conformity with the body of his glory. You see, it is because of this union with Christ that we receive spiritual blessings. We as saints, we as believers, we as those set apart, holy and blameless by him and in him have special benefits, spiritual blessings. We also have a blessing that we can understand these spiritual blessings. We also have a blessing 
in that God has called us to a life of spiritual blessings, and he has given to us everything needed to live that life that he calls us to. Whatever God calls you to, he will equip you for. He will give you. He'll give you that understanding. Now, it's not nearly as deep or meaningful, but I'll use an example. I could get on this drum set right now, and I could think that this is my calling. But you would hear that I could not keep the beat because it's not what God is equipping me for. But God has equipped us all as believers, as saints, as holy and blameless with grace, free grace, as being chosen, elected, and predestined, and as adopted individuals into his kingdom. We have been given everything needed to live a life that he calls us to. And I say again, as Paul would, blessed be God the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. We move on to number two, though. The reason for the blessings we have, we move on to the reasons Paul is praising God, starting with, he has chosen us. I know I've talked about this briefly already. I've been summarizing, but we're going to look a little bit more deep in this in about 10 minutes' time. And please know, as I do, that yes, this has been highly debated. It is a hot topic, but I'm just going to try to point out straight to Scripture what Scripture says. And we can agree, we can, we can move forward on what God says in His Word. We can debate the rest later. We can also agree that we can admit that there is a great mystery around the doctrine of election. There's also a great mystery around other doctrines. There's some things that we must admit that we are not God. We do not know all things. As in Deuteronomy 29, 29 reminds us, the secret things belong to God. We may disagree on some finer points of this mystery, but we can still have fellowship and serve God with one another. We can love God and the grace he gives to us. As one pastor said, I love this about this topic. What is clear here is that we have a great, awesome, and sovereign God who is in charge. You can't argue with that. All scripture reinforces that. We have a great, awesome, and sovereign God who is in charge. He is so great that he can give us some element of free will, yet still be in full control. Full control. I don't understand all of this. You don't understand all of this. We don't understand it how God does but we can see the mystery. We can see it proclaimed. We can see God's word. But I do believe this. I believe that if you are his follower, if you have accepted the Spirit's leading in your life, and if you have evidence, fruit in your life of your faith, you continue to trust in him, living holy lives by him, you have been chosen. You're elected. You need not worry. Your life is secure in him. That's my belief. But please don't allow this topic of election to keep you from doing God's will. There are some people who choose not to proclaim the gospel, the good news of Christ, because they say, well, I don't know who the elect are. Don't be that person. As Charles Spurgeon once said, until God places a big E for elect on the shirt tail of every individual walk around him, he will continue to proclaim the good news to all people, because that's what we're called to do. Proclaim the good news for all people, it's a hot topic, but don't get stuck, stuck debating it so much that you fail to just see what Scripture so clearly says in the mission that we have. God's Word has a lot of references to the elect and the predestined. I start with Romans 8.30. 
Romans 8.30 says, And those whom he predestined, he also called. And those whom he called, he also justified. And those whom he justified, he also glorified. We cannot deny how much God's word speaks of those who are called, the elect, and the predestined. Again, there's many debates on what does this mean? Who is this? Some would say it's more of a general predestination, a general election, that God has called the whole church, the whole body of believers. Everyone has been called. Some say it's specific people. You can't deny, though, that God's word does speak of this. 2 Thessalonians 2.13, another reference says, 2 Thessalonians 2.13, God has chosen you from the beginning for salvation through sanctification by the Spirit, faith in the truth. Second Timothy 2.10 says, For this reason I endure all things, for the sake of those who are chosen, that they also may obtain the salvation which is in Christ Jesus, and with it eternal glory. You see, we cannot and we should not deny the fact that God speaks of the chosen, that he speaks of election, It is something that we should celebrate, just as Paul celebrates here. Because fully understood, even just partially understood, it forms a bedrock of confidence, a strong, firm, solid foundation for the believer. In fact, one commentator stated, God has called us to a life of spiritual blessings. Oh, I think I'm behind. Nope, that is it. I was right. God has chose us. A God who chose before time when only he existed will not leave you victim to the time and tides of life. That was what I wanted. One commentator stated, a God who chose you before time when only he existed will not leave you victims to the time and tides of life. You see, believing in the election, believing in predestination, believing that those who follow Christ, no matter who they are, those who God has called, gives us a great, firm foundation, a solid bedrock. And it reminds us that God, a God who chose you before time when only he existed, will not leave you victim to the time and tides of life. Being left victim means alone. We're never left alone. God is within us and working in us and working through us. God chose you by himself, for himself, and for us. God chose you. He predestined you to be holy. You, me, all of us as saints, as those set apart trusting and following him is all because he chose. It's not because of our goodness. It's not because God looked into the future and saw saw how good we would be. It's not because God looked in the future and saw that Mona McMiniman there was going to be the best person ever and she's going to earn her salvation. No, Mona, you know this. None of us are good. No, not one. We need the Lord. We need his guidance. We need his work within our life. We need Jesus. It's by him. It's for him. It's by love and by his choice. And that's what the scripture tells us. Paul says that we should be holy and blameless before him. It's because of him. It's all because of him. And scripture here says it's in love. Scripture also tells us in Romans that it was that we see is his love in that while we're still sinners, God sent his son Jesus to die for us. Jesus atoned for our sins. Jesus was a propitiation to us, for us. And it's because of him we're saved and justified, but it's also because of him that we're sanctified. 
Those are big words, but justified means we are saved through him. He has paid the price for our sins. He is who we get the grace from, the mercy from or through. And then sanctification, meaning we are being made more like him each day, being made more holy, more set apart. There's a telltale sign or evidence of our holiness, our sainthood, our election. And it's the holiness that we live by. It's seeing Christ in us. Can people see Christ in you? It's seeing that we are living set-apart lives, different lives than the world. Can people see you living a little bit differently? Can they see you living with hope? Can they see you making choices not according to the music industry, the movie industry, the news, the media, the world, the political system? Are they seeing you making choices with your life according to God's ways, God's righteous ways, the Bible before the world's ways? You see, there's a telltale evidence or sign of one's election, and that's holiness. It's seeing Christ in us, living set-apart lives, different lives, characterized by God's ways and not the world's ways, righteous ways and not sinful ways, showing the hope that now resides within us at all times and in all circumstances. And then as Paul, as Paul does so greatly here in all of his word, praising him, praising him, praising God, celebrating God, are we living holy lives as he is holy? What does your life show to people around you? You see, you were not saved just to get out of hell. You were not saved just to get, Jesus didn't come just to get you, give you this free get out, of hell, get out of hell free card. Like Monopoly would give you a get out of jail free card. No, you were saved so that you could live a holy and blameless life and be restored to the Father's eyes. You were saved. Jesus came. God show you, showed you grace. God gave you election. God gave you predestination. He chose you so that you could be conformed into him and his image and his body. We were set apart to God when he chose us. This is past, present, and future. We were, we were set apart to God when he chose us. We are being set apart in the present life as we are more faithfully living for him. And we will be set apart in fullness in the future when we dwell with him in heaven. Are you living set apart lives? Because that's what holy means. Are you living a blameless life? A blameless life means without blemish, spotless, remembering that the the stain of sin has been washed away because that's what God says of his chosen. It says that they are holy and blameless. And this also indicates that we should not be continually running back to sin. What type of life are we living? It doesn't mean we won't struggle. We will struggle. We have sinful natures inherently. But through God, through Christ, we have grace, and we don't need to be controlled by that lifestyle any longer. We don't continually live in that life. We continually live in this life, the godly life, remembering that he now resides within us. And through this next, we see that we are loved and predestined for adoption. We're going to push through this this morning and finish. We are adopted to God as sons through Jesus Christ. God chose you before the creation of the world. God elected and predestined, and God in love adopted you as sons through Jesus. 
And in saying sons, I'm referring to all of his believers, not just the men. This is being plural. It's talking about the sons and daughters. God's love, out of love, he adopted us as sons. This speaks also of the relationship status we have. You see, God could have saved all of his creation and not called us sons, not adopted us in this way. He could have provided some method of salvation without also giving us so many blessings and an inheritance to being heirs to a kingdom. But God chose to elect us as sons and daughters. And with that, sons and daughters of God also comes privileges, blessings, and responsibilities, what Ephesians teaches us. This should also be awe-inspiring, an astounding thought. It was, as we think, we can cry out to God the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ as Father. You see, that word Father attaches with it an intimacy, it's not some man that you don't know that's just sending you a check in the mail and saying, hey, God bless you. I hope you do good today. I know all of the world is struggling right now, so here's little money. And that's all you ever hear from him. No, this is God the Father. God the Father of all creation allows you to cry out to him as Abba, Daddy. And we read, that we are adopted as sons through Jesus Christ. Paul says of this, for you did not receive a spirit that makes you a slave again to fear, but you received the spirit of sonship. And by him we cry out, Abba, Father. The spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. Romans 8, 15, and 16 speaks of this. And then in Galatians 4, 6 to 7, we read, Galatians 4, 6 to 7, because you're sons, God sent the spirit of his son into our hearts and the spirit who calls out, Abba, Father. So you are no longer a slave, but a son. And since you are a son, God has made you an heir. Do you see the blessing here? Do you see the celebration here? Do you see why Paul is celebrating the election and why we too should celebrate all of this? We are adopted as sons of God, and we have a great inheritance through him. Have you received him? John 1.12 says, Yet to all who received him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. It's a right. It's a privilege. It's a blessing that we have. Theologian J.I. Packer, James Packer, considers our grasp of God's fatherhood and our adoption as sons of daughters as an essential importance to our spiritual life. It's a longer quote, but let me read it to you. He says, if you want to judge how well a person understands Christianity, find out how much he makes of the thought of God, of being God's child and having God as his father. If this is not the thought that prompts and controls his worship and prayers, and his whole outlook on life, it means that he does not understand Christianity very well at all. He says, for everything that Christ taught, everything that makes the New Testament new and better than the old, everything that is distinctively Christian as opposed to merely Jewish, is summed up in the knowledge of, father, of the fatherhood of God. He says, Father is the Christian name for God. And it should put us in a place of awe. It should put us in a place of humility as we just humbly lay down our lives and think how great of a blessing it is to call the God of all creation, the God of the universe, Father. He listens to us as children. He cares for us as children. 
He loves us as his children. He loves us so much that even in our sins, he provided a way out. Free grace through Jesus Christ. But let's get back to this free will, this election. Again, these are difficult things to understand, and I admit I struggle with this. I always struggle with this, but I always say I can't deny what God's word says. And I can't deny that it seems like although there is some type of free will, that we also need need God's election, God to choose, God's predestination. We need God's adoption. We need the Holy Spirit's guidance. And we see this in Romans 6 where it says that we are in bondage to sin. We see in Romans 3.10 where it says, none are righteous, no, not one. It goes on in Ephesians 4, 17 and 18 to say that the unsaved walk in the futility of their mind and are darkened in their understanding. We need Christ to light the way. We need God to give us a way to see that narrow path to him. And this may be why in John 6, he says, No one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws him, and I will raise him up on the last day. Psalm 14 quotes, um, is quoted in Romans 3, 11, which says, There is no one who understands, no one who seeks God. And this is why, again, I believe that we need the Holy Spirit's leading to come to him. But what about free will, people say? What about grace? What about my choice? As people love to debate and argue hotly, again, I come down to that previous statement. What is clear is that we have a great, awesome, and sovereign God who is in charge. He is so great that he can give us some element of free will, yet still be in full control. One pastor said of election that the doctrine of election that God, by his sovereign choice, chooses who will be saved in no way violates that he also says about his commandments to repent or his offer of salvation to whoever will come. Because this pastor says the sinner that responds to the call of salvation does not violate his own will. Instead, it is the sovereign grace of God that makes him willing to respond. That's kind of deep. I don't have time to go into it, but if you want to talk about it later or hear that quote again later, email me, call me. Pastor, author, theologian Warren Wearsby states this. He says, try to explain election and you may lose your mind. I feel that often, even today. But he says, try to explain election and you may lose your mind, but try to explain it away and you may lose your soul. Again, another deep thought to think about, but here's what I come to. You see, I believe both are essential. Both are needed. No matter which direction you choose to believe, we must see what God's word says. God's word here says that we are chosen. And we see his purpose. Number three, we see his purpose in election is to bring you into the body of believers through Jesus Christ and into conformity with him. Whatever direction you choose to believe with election, with free will, with predestination, with adoption, look to his scripture. Look to the word of God. Look and see the blessings. Look to see the blessed We are to bless God for all the blessings and how he blesses us. You see, there is great freedom from burdens here and hope to be found in seeing that the God of all creation, the God of the universe, chose us. He didn't look to wait and see, are you going to be perfect? Are you going to earn your way? In fact, this is the only religion in the world that is based upon somebody else. It's not based upon ourselves earning our right to heaven like Buddhism or Hinduism or, any of, or even Jehovah's Witness. 
or more Islam. All these other religions believe that you must earn your way somehow. But Christianity, is a, it, it realizes that we can't earn our way. But God loves us so much that he sent his son Jesus to die for the world that we might have a way. But finally, we get to verse 6, the end. Paul says, To the praise of his glorious grace, with which he has blessed us in the beloved. He brings it back to the blessed, the blessed, and the blessings. He brings it back to remind us that we are to praise God, celebrate him just as he celebrates. To the praise of his glorious grace, with which we, he has blessed us in the beloved. We must praise God. As I wrap up, as I close, I want to challenge you. I want you to celebrate. Praise God for him choosing you before the creation of the world. Praise God for the election. Praise God for the predestination. Praise God for you being adopted sons of God through Jesus Christ our Lord. But then I also want to challenge you to consider your life. Consider your life. What do people around you see? Are you living in a way which shows the world these great blessings that you have? Are you living in a way which shows them that you are chosen, predestined, elected? Are you living in a way which shows them that you are children of God with great blessings and inheritance, heirs, hope of a kingdom to come? Are you living as blessed with blessings? Do you give all the praise and glory back to God, the Father in whom you have been blessed by? Because Paul says, blessed be the God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. God calls us to live holy and blameless lives. Are you living holy and blameless lives? Are you living set apart? Do people see that you are made blameless through Christ's blood, his body, and that you have a future with him? Proclaim of this wonderful blessing. Proclaim of this new life that you have in him. Proclaim that Christ is building you up, making you into a masterpiece, that you're new in him. And if your life is not being lived in a way that can glorify God in action, word, and thought, then realize that something needs to change and make that change fast. If you are living, remembering these things, then I encourage you, I challenge you, keep striving to live in accordance to his word and invite somebody else into this with you. We need accountability. We weren't called to live in isolation as Christians. We'll live to live with one another. We're called to live with one another, encourage one another, challenge one another, convict one another, help one another, kiss one another on the cheek. Do not devour and bite one another. That is one of the one another's. Make sure you have somebody praying for you and holding you accountable. And then lastly, do you feel God leading you now? Do you feel God speaking to you now? Have you not made this choice? Have you not trusted in him? Have you not surrendered to him as all these songs we sung this morning spoke of? I challenge you now, plead with God for forgiveness. Accept him, plead, call out to him and trust in Jesus as your Lord and Savior today. You don't need to worry or even think about whether you are the elect or not. God knows and that's what counts. Your very willingness to seek him is a demonstration that the Holy Spirit is working within you. God, the blessed one, has blessed us with many spiritual blessings in the heavenly places. He has chose us, predestined us, elected us, and made us adopted sons 
Let's praise him for that. This is only one of the great riches of our wealth in Christ. We'll get into more. We're going to close in prayer now, and I'm sorry we are skipping the ending song for today. Let's close in prayer. Bow your heads, please. Lord, we thank you. We thank you, Lord. Blessed be the name of our God, the Father, of our Lord Jesus Christ. You are holy. You are mighty. And yet we can call out to you as Father, Abba, Father. And you make us not as slaves, but as free by your grace through Jesus Christ. Thank you for the blessing. Thank you for choosing us before the foundations of the world, Lord. May we proclaim these blessings to the world to see. And it's in your holy and powerful name we pray. And all God's people said, amen. Thank you for bearing with me. Please join us for Sunday school.